Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to talk about a variety of NHL topics as well as some trading card topics. We're going to bust a little bit outside of my comfort zone and not just talk about hockey cards, but we're going to talk about all sports cards because there's been some real serious stuff going on in the sports card industry over the past week. Tim, I know you said after we recorded our last show, the next day you're like, man, we got to record another show because I feel like we missed out. And I'm like, well, that's a great thing about podcasting. You, There's always another one coming up. So whatever we don't get to whenever, we can always get to it in the next one. And I feel like we got a lot to get to this time. It, it always happens that way. We talk about a bunch of stuff that we haven't talked about in a while. And the next day, the whole world explodes like it did this time. So uh, a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, I think we'll start with the uh, NHL news. And I know like one thing I want to talk about at length is the fact that the NHL is going to allow ads on jerseys. First, just some uh, some sad news that I want to uh, just bring up. So former NHL player Jimmy Hayes died recently at the age of 31. Uh, horrible. The, horrible. The cause has not been disclosed. He was a right wing he was drafted by Toronto in 2008. He played 334 NHL games for the Chicago Blackhawks, the Florida Panthers, the Boston Bruins, and the New Jersey Devils. Um, he's the brother of, or he was the brother of Kevin Hayes. Uh, yep. And I do remember Jimmy Hayes breaking in with the Blackhawks. He was in that little weird time in like Blackhawks, uh, I don't want to say Blackhawks history, but it was basically he played with the team between the 2010 and the 2013 championship. So he wasn't part of either championship. And even though he did play with the team during the 2013 season, he only played a handful of games, spent most of the season in Rockford, wasn't, um, as far as I know, he wasn't a black ace. He did not get his name on the cup with the team, but so he wasn't really a, a part of that team that year. But I, re- I do remember him as just being like one of those guys that we brought up after the team had the fire sale off a lot of its star power, like Christopher Stieg and Dustin Bufflin and Andrew Ladd and Antini Emmy, you know, after the team had, had won the cup in 2010. But anyways, yeah, I found out about this recently and I'm just like, wow, that guy, 31, you don't, don't expect that sort of thing from such a young player. I saw it this morning. So, I mean, that tells you how how recent this was. And, you know, I listen, I listen to, you know, some other podcasts out there, most famously the Chicklets podcast. So I've, I've listened to Jimmy and his brother Kevin talk all the time. And, you know, they've got some, he always had some great stories, uh, especially talking about the stories going back to the Chicago days. He's got some pretty Patrick Kane stories. Some of them aren't. Uh, terrible on our show probably <laughs> but you know and, and i actually saw that patrick Kane tweeted out that he was one of his favorite teammates ever wow um, and so that was it's just kind of crazy to hear that when you hear anybody that passes away that young it's it's uh it's absolutely nuts but i feel bad for his family and friends and all of his loved ones 
have to deal with that. So uh, now another NHL former NHL player passed away recently. Uh, Hockey Hall of Famer Rod Gilbert died at age 80. Gilbert played his whole career with the New York Rangers. He played with the team from 1960 to 1979. His first two years, he only played one game each season, and then he became a regular with the team. He scored 406 goals and 615 assists for 1,021 points over the course of 1,065 regular season games. Uh, His number seven was retired by the New York Rangers, and he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1982. Unfortunately, I never had a chance to watch uh, Mr. Gilbert play, uh, nor did I ever have the chance to meet him for an autograph. I mean, the guy's Mr. Ranger. I mean, that's that's what he's known as. He's basically an icon, you know, for Ranger fans, Hall of Fame, Hockey Hall of Famer. I mean, obviously deserve it. So, but uh, I think the biggest thing about him is you talk to any Rangers fan. Um, over the years, he's a, he's everywhere. He's always at every event mm-hmm. that the Rangers put on. He's at the games. He's at the events outside of the games. He shows up to various charity things. I mean, he's just everywhere. He's the face of that franchise, and he has been for years. I mean, heck, what he retired in '79. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, <laughs> the fact you retire and like you're still the face of your franchise for that long. I mean, come on, the guy's a legend. This is one that kind of surprised me because I had no idea. I didn't hear anything about it. But then again, I haven't been on social media a lot lately. So maybe that's why. Mm. So, but uh, yeah, it's it's a shame. Would you say he was 80? He was 80. Okay. Another thing I wanted to mention relating to the Rangers is that Henrik Lundqvist is officially retired now. Wait a minute. This is Capitals news, right? Well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Uh, yeah, I guess I. No, I guess it's if not you're Capitals gonna, news. They cannot claim him whatsoever. <laughs> listen, if if you're gonna say if 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 you're gonna make a joke like that, then I'm gonna say that Henrik Lundqvist's Capitals career lasted just as long as Corey Crawford's New Jersey Devils career. Did it though? Zero games Craw- and zero th- games. Yeah, I think Corey Crawford didn't last as long. I think he quit quicker. Well, Lundquist okay. was actually intending to play, and then stuff happened. So. Well, and I really don't want to make light of either of them because both of these gentlemen retired because of injury. You know, yeah. it's it's not like they just decided, oh, I'm I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. They both had injury issues that they just couldn't shake. I mean, I know Lundquist, it wasn't like an injury; it was a heart problem. But right. still, I mean, you I know, think Crawford I, was actually contemplating it though when the whole. Him going to New Jersey went down. Right. I, I don't know that Lundquist actually intended to. I thought he was fully intending to suit up and play, but then the heart the heart thing came up. Well, that was the thing though, and he was he had been doing some workouts, and he said he wasn't feeling like he should. So I mean, he was he was fully intending. He didn't say, "Okay, I'm having the surgery. I'm going to retire." He said, "I'm having the surgery, and I'll be back in a year." Right. So he did he did have that intention to come back now. Lundqvist, you know, spent 15 seasons with the Rangers. He won an Olympic gold medal for Sweden in 2006. um, And then the Vezina for the 2011-12 season. You would probably be a little more familiar with Lundqvist because 
he played the Penguins, you know, the Rangers and the Penguins. Same division. Yep. I mean, I still think of things in like Patrick division and Adams division. And I know that I know that deck has been shuffled like 15 times since then. But they did play each other quite a bit in the in the 2000s and the 2010s. Right. Absolutely. Lundquist was the goalie in New York. I mean, yeah, there were backups here and there, but the bulk of the work was always, always the king. You know, look at his stats. You know, his first 12 or his first 13 seasons. I think he had 12 30 win seasons. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. You don't see that kind of performance anymore out of players. Not only that, there's so many split platooned goalie situations across the league that, I mean, how many guys have the opportunity to get into those positions? You got to, A, be on a good team that can win 30 games just for one single goaltender, (laughs) and B, get the bulk of the work because the law of averages says you're not going to pull that off, and he did it 12 times, so... Yeah, you got to get that Grant, Fuhr, or Martin Broder workload, you know. Like, a goalie, you think of a starting goalie, 40, 50 games a season, right? And Lundqvist, just going to read off his games played from 05-06 forward. 53 games, 70 games, 72 games, 70 games, 73 games, 68 games, 62 games. 43 games. Now, the 43 games, that was out of the 48, uh, I think that was a 48-game season. That was a lockout-shortened 2012-2013 season. So, 43 games is still almost all the games that year. 63 games, 46 games, 65 games, 57 games, 63 games, 52 games, 30 games for 887 games. That is insane. I mean, if you think about a forward or defenseman, playing in a thousand games you're like whoa right and a goalie you would think if they played 500 games you'd be like yeah you know because he was probably backing up the other 500 games right if they started 500 games uh there's a good chance that they backed up you know probably close to that number uh but here i mean he played almost 900 games it's it's nuts and that's the other thing too it's a goaltender right Right. So your goal, your goaltender is a high profile player usually, and they got a lot of focus on them. Now you're playing in New York on Broadway, in front of the New York media. So, you know, if the, the only thing bigger than that would be playing in Toronto, uh, as far as media exposure. So it's like you're in front of the cameras all the time. I used to call him Mr. GQ, and my wife hated that I would call him that, but th- that was the thing. He was always dressed in the nice suits, and you know would show up at the different events and looking all red carpety and you know he embraced that he embraced that whole persona of being the king and i think that was that was great you know a lot of times goaltenders get labeled as the the weirdos on the team right Mm because goaltenders always have that they're quirky they have their quirks to them and um Oh, Lundquist is one of those rare guys that, that is very approachable, I think. And, and uh, oh, I think he, he'll be missed. He'll, he'll definitely be missed. I, the, the, he's one goaltender I was never like, oh, I hate that guy. Can't stand that guy. Or the Penguins are playing the Rangers, and it's like, it's Lundquist. I mean, what are you going to do? He stops 40 of 41 shots, and 
Penguins lose the game. Well, it was Lundqvist. What did you expect? I mean, I think a lot of goalies are like that. I mean, I, I never hated Roberto Luongo. I never hated Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, you look at those guys and they're just, they're so great. Yeah, like you said, they stopped 40 out of 41 shots and my team lost, but they're a really good goaltender and they're just a great person and you, you feel good for them. I think a lot of... Yeah, like, it wasn't like when I was a kid and every time we play the Flyers and it would be Hextall in net. And I didn't care if he had the performance of a lifetime. I hated his guts. Well, I think that has to do with the fact that he's a Flyers goalie and you're a Penguins fan. Well, and it's still a hard pill to swallow knowing that he's in charge of the team now. Right. That is funny. Yeah, it is funny. You know, uh, Henrik Lundqvist has a twin brother. He does. Joel Lundqvist. I I was saying that not like surprise. I was saying that like as in I agree with you. Yes, he does. Yeah, so, and Joel, uh, Joel is... Not quite uh, as good of a goaltender. No, but, uh, <laughs> no, but he's, uh, he's been playing uh, for Ferlunda the past uh, number of years. But, uh, yeah, Joel played uh, three seasons for the Dallas Stars, but, uh, you know... for where? Well, uh, Ferlunda Hockey Club. Isn't in that this, kind of cheese? Uh, I don't know. I'm just kidding, that's a joke. But what I want to say, you know, I remember something funny with Lundquist. I remember maybe about 10 years ago, Lundquist was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. I don't know if you have saw that. They had some sort of like, uh, I don't know, it's just some sort of like gag skit that they did where like they had these little pies and. Oh, uh, where Fallon was shooting them at them. He was shooting the pies and Lundquist yeah, yeah. was trying to stop the, the like these little pies that he was shooting at him. And it was, I mean, it was kind of funny. I mean, and he was like in a three-piece suit. Too, he's in a in three-piece suit, but he puts on like the blocker and the glove, and he grabs the goalie stick. And Fallon's like shooting these little pies at him, and he's like, he's like, do you think he could stop me? And then Lundqvist is like, yeah, piece of cake. And then Fallon's like, no, piece of pie. And that was the joke because they were shooting. Yeah, I think pie. that's floating around out there somewhere. He'd definitely be able to find. I just, I, I thought you were gonna go with the Jimmy Fallon one where where Lundqvist came out and played guitar because he was no. a, he's a guitar player. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He came out and played Sweet Child by Guns N' Roses. Oh, nice. Sweet Child of Mine. It was good. I didn't know he could even play guitar until I saw that. That was years ago. That was before the pie thing. I mean, look, dude, I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen hockey players on, like, a national talk show. Yeah, it doesn't happen often just because of the, I think, the popularity of the sport. I mean, you would see it a lot more, I think, back in the probably the the 90s than you do now Gretzky. because i mean it was only yeah, really gretzky, gretzky. Was, gretzky was in a lot of places but i think guys would pop up here and there i mean maybe i, remember I just she, remember him because i paid attention maybe that's oh no i i would i would try i uh, trust me dude i would like i mean i remember mark messier was on the arsenio hall show but i never saw it but i do remember missing it and being really mad about that and then i remember brett hall was on david letterman and i remember seeing that um, unfortunately, I don't think I have a recording of it. And then, of course, Gretzky was on shows from time to time. You know, you, you see oh, him. But who could forget his masterful performance on Saturday Night Live? Hockey, hockey, baby. Yeah, uh, I was like one of the worst skits ever. Oh man, I loved that one. It was it was oh, it's, so it's, ridiculous. It, it's so bad because he's not a good actor. Well, you know, that was a funny thing, too. He talked about that, uh, I think, when he was on Conan a couple of years ago. He talked about doing that skit. 
This would have been back when Conan O'Brien was uh, a writer for Saturday Night Live. And the thing was, is that like, it seemed like every other sketch Gretzky was playing himself. Like, like, hey, it's Wayne's World and we're here with Wayne Gretzky, right? Yeah. Which, by the way, was right. the best sketch in the whole yes. Saturday Night Live episode with Wayne Gretzky. That and Waikiki Hockey, and then after that, I don't even remember, because the rest of it was just like, oh, here's Wayne Gretzky, and he's going to be fishing with us today, and oh, Wayne Gretzky is on this talk show, right? Like, it was just like, like they couldn't get him out of his comfort zone where he just wanted to be himself, and Waikiki Hockey was like one of the few ones where they actually made him like play a character and not just pretend to be himself. See, now everybody that's listening, now you all have homework, is to go and spend hours upon hours on youtube and find all the craziest guys on like hockey players on shows videos and post them all to our twitter pages so we can yeah. all watch too Do that. so that's all your that's all your that's all your homework i look forward to the three clips that people will leave us yeah there should be some fun ones maybe four there should be lots of uh lots of local commercials for like car dealerships and things like that well nothing can top the penguins car commercial with evgeny malkin and uh maxime talbot oh those are the best those that well that that is the best well whatever we're talking about a car commercial from 10 years ago where were we we were talking about henrik lundquist and then we got sidetracked with um okay so because he's mr gq and he goes he's an entertainer <laughs> so steering this conversation back does he get into the Hall of Fame? Lundquist? Yes. Uh, 459 wins in the regular season. There are there are goaltenders probably with worse stats than him already in, I would imagine. He doesn't have the hardware. One individual award, the Vezina. Just, so he was named yeah, best just, goalie one time. Right. He just got the Vezina once. Doesn't have a cup. I still say yes. Yeah. Because not just because of the NHL, because the Hockey Hall of Fame is for all of hockey. And, I mean, he's essentially an international superstar when it comes to international hockey. Because he does have Olympic medal. Mm-hmm. So... I say yes. Okay. What do, you, what do you think? I say yes, but not right away. So you're saying not a first ballot is what you would say. I hate that term because it's a baseball term, and I'm so tired of us always dumbing down our hockey terms. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I mean, what it's, else it's, it's a baseball first year, first year of eligibility then? Is that what you would call it? Yeah, yeah, all right, first ballot, whatever. Listen, players either a Hall of Famer or not Hall of Famer. I mean, if you look at, like, the few times that you've had players who didn't even have to wait the three years, right? That doesn't make the other Hall of Famers any less of a Hall of Famer, right? No, it doesn't. But, I mean, if you're going to sit around and, like, oh, well, this guy's guaranteed Hall of Famer, so we don't need to take him in right away. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what is that? Yeah, then then the player just sits around wondering, is this ever going to happen? I don't know. I don't. I don't see any reason why why you shouldn't have they. They've uh, have they named the next class. Well, no, they're not having a class for twenty twenty one. So the players that were named in twenty twenty 
will be inducted this fall in 2021. So the 2022 class then would be like a double eligibility class? Kind of, yes. Kind of like the years when we have a double draft class? Yes, exactly. So you'd end up with like Luongo on that list. Right. The Sedin twins should be on there. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can't take one and not the other because that's a package deal. Or is it? Mm, which Sedin do you make wait uh, a year and which one do you take right away? Ouch. I'm pretty sure Berkey already created that whole illusion that they have to go together. So right. we're just going to continue that until the end. Right. No, um, that's fine. I think that I think that's actually kind of cool that they always played together. The only time they didn't play together was was in that one all-star game where they were doing like the fantasy drafts. Yeah. So who else goes in then? Zetterberg, maybe? Is he available? He should be eligible, right? If he's not still playing. I don't think Zetterberg's playing. That Suk's the one that hasn't hung him up yet. Uh, and neither has Yager for that matter. Well, did you see the interview with um was it Sportsnet or I think it might have been Sportsnet that Yager did. What, the uh, where, only God can judge me now? Well, basically saying that if he could retire, he would. But he can't because of the state of the team that he owns and the fact that he doesn't want them to go under. Because if he leaves and retires, all of the sponsors will pull out and the team will have to fold. Well, you know what? He's just following in Mario Lemieux's footsteps. He's been doing that since 1990. So it's only natural that he's playing to keep the team that he owns afloat, right? If it wasn't for the health issues, Mario would have had a much longer career and a much more prolific career than what he had. Yeah, if Mario I mean, didn't have that little heart problem in the mid-2000s, he could have probably played until he was 50. He was looking good in his 40s. Mario had the back issues. He had the cancer. There was a lot. Oh, yeah. That he had to deal with. That Chronic fatigue. That, that took him out. So, you know, the fact that he was able to accomplish what he did under those conditions is, I mean, it's a feat in and of its own. But the whole, the Yager thing, him coming out and just basically saying, look, I'd love to retire, but I can't because this team will disappear if I don't stay here. I was like, wow, that's, that's something. He's going to play till he's 60 then. Maybe. So know. hang on to those Yarmir Yager rookie cards a little bit longer, kids, because they're going to be worth something eventually. Some gonna have to wait another eleven or twelve or fifteen years. Hey, those Opichi Premier ones are worth a mint now that we're in Junk Wax Part Two era. Mm. Get one, so, get one graded. You can sell it for millions, hundreds. I mean, hundreds. Hundreds. That's, yeah, I added a couple extra zeros. So uh, let's talk about ads on jerseys, because this is something that's really annoyed me. Come on. So the NHL has announced that for the 2022-23 season, teams will have ads placed on their jerseys, or an ad. And this ad will measure approximately three by three and a half. According to Gary Bettman, he said that the teams retained more than $100 million in revenue thanks to uh, the helmet ads. So there was a lot of money in helmet ads, so there stands to be even more money in jersey ads. Um, I don't like this idea. I, I feel like 
this is the beginning of the end. Like, this is the beginning of the end of the end, or the end of the beginning of the end. Like, we have ads everywhere, dude. We even have ads, like, when you look on your TV screen and you have a little scoreboard in the corner and a little clock in the corner, there's always a little ad underneath that, right? And then there's, like, ads on the boards, there's ads on the ice, and then they said, you know what? Let's put ads on the glass, like, virtually. I'm just sick of it. I'm just sick of everywhere I look, there's ads. It's just, it's nuts. What is an ad? Let me ask you that. What is an ad? An advertisement. Uh-huh. What is it? Right. This is where you're, you're not going to say, oh, the logo on their jersey's an ad for the team. because that, No, 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 no. Did you hear that? Was that you or me? <laughs> That's the, there's some serious uh, lightning going on outside, and I don't mean the Tampa Bay lightning, yeah. That was crazy. Either that that or gunshots. I'm in Chicago, so it could be one or the other. That was clear as day. Wow, that was nuts. No, an an ad is simply something to generate revenue. That's all it is. You know, you're selling something, you're going to pay for it. Look, it's a three inch by three and a half inch, so it's just slightly larger than a trading card. That's going to be somewhere on the jersey, probably near the shoulder, above the number or above the logo area, probably in the same general area as a captain would wear their C, right? So you're going to have this little patch there that says whatever it's going to say. If that can generate enough revenue that's going to put a few million dollars back into a team's pocket, and pad the salary cap so that maybe another team can afford an extra player or somebody better, I'm all for it. Because right now, the salary cap is behind where it should be. And one of the big reasons for that is because the players, based off of their agreement that they signed the last time around, they owe the owners a ton of money. A ton. So if they can generate some kind of revenue, which they've already said that this revenue is going to go towards hockey-related things, meaning it's going to go, it's going to be split half and half, and half's going to go towards the salary cap, and the other half will go to the owners, of course. If that can count towards hockey-related revenue to the owners, then maybe some of this debt that the players owe can get paid off quicker, and we can start getting you know, these salary caps bumped up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking, and not that the NHL is by any means where the NBA is currently with advertising, but if you look at what NBA jersey patches, they've had research groups look at this from the NBA, and they said that it could generate anywhere up to $150 million a year. $150 million, if you translate that and move it over into the NHL, I mean, you're talking... Two, two and a half million dollars you could put into the cap for all 32 teams in the league. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. If it's going to be, you know, a little sticker right here on the shoulder that says use tide. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me because to be honest, it's not going to change the game. It's not going to make anything different on the ice. It's still hockey and I'm still going to watch it. I don't care if there's a little ad there or not. Do I want the jerseys to look like a KHL team or a soccer team where they're just a walking billboard for every item that you can find in the local convenience store? No, I don't want to see that. But 
I'm all for trying to generate revenue to bring some some balance, I guess, back to what what's kind of going on. And I don't think it's going to be necessarily that distracting. Sure, everybody that's not used to seeing it and doesn't want to see it, you're going to see it because you're going to be looking for it. But honestly, I I don't think I'm going to care. And see, this is coming from me, who is usually the get-off-my-lawn guy and hates everything. But I've had a lot of time to think about this. And I'm like, you know what? If my team could have an extra two, two and a half million in salary cap, boy, that's even a couple players at league minimum that we could pull up. Think of it this way. like It's like the higher the level of play, the less ads they have on the player uniforms. When I think of like advertisements on jerseys, I think of like little kids playing little peewee hockey or little league baseball or something where like, you know, the local pizza joint is putting an ad on the jerseys because they paid for the uniforms. Right. And it's just like, this is the national hockey league. I mean, I'm used to seeing ads on AHL jerseys when I go to see the Chicago wolves play, or when you see like any ECHL, they'll usually have an ad on the chest or on the sleeve or something. I'm used to that because minor league teams need to pay the bills somehow. And it's not through getting tons and tons of ticket revenue, but I feel like the NHL just because they can do something doesn't mean they should do something. I mean, they could put what we could put ads on their skates. They could put ads on their pants. They could, they could go full blown KHL or Swedish elite league or German league. Uh, I mean, but I don't or, think anybody wants that. Is is what I'm saying. I don't think even the league starts. wants it. Look, how often were you sitting there watching a hockey game last season, and you went, "Man, I wish I could like this hockey game, but I can't because there's a PPG on somebody's helmet." I or didn't even see a, the PPG. I was more annoyed by the the virtual ads on the boards and on the ice. Okay, and well, everywhere that's else. that's completely different. Yes. These ads were on their helmets. And I think everybody complained when the season started that they were going to be there. And then I didn't hear a peep about it after the year started because nobody really noticed them anymore. And really all that was, was to give sponsors ability to recoup some of their money from the loss with the shutdown. Right. And so, okay, so we'll give you basically free advertising. We'll throw it on the helmets. Everybody will see it. Oh, wait, nobody's paying attention to the game that moves faster than any other game with guys up and down the ice because they can't see it. I don't think we're going to even see these things unless there's stoppage and you got a close up of a player standing there, or it's like in between and there's guys skating around and whatever. And then who cares? I get more ticked off that when I watch a hockey game, every commercial break, it's the same three commercials. That mm-hmm. ticks me off. And that has nothing to do with a logo on a Jersey. But I think to your point of saying that it, you don't like it, I think it's also making the point that it doesn't really matter because if you look at this, yeah, an NFL, the biggest sports league in the universe that owns their own day of the week. Do they have logos on their jerseys? Well, other than the manufacturer of the jersey, no. Because they don't need to. They generate revenue regardless. Right. The NHL is not at that same level. And yeah, they're they're a, one of the larger professional sports teams, but even still, they're not the largest. They're not even the second largest or third largest. 
They may not even be the fourth largest. And they're behind. They have to generate the revenue. If you're going to play professional athletes and you want them to play for your league, you got to pay them. And if you don't have the money to pay them, where's it going to come from? It's got to come from somewhere. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, you know, the owners, the owners don't make enough money. No, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if this will help generate revenue for the league to operate better, then I'm all for it. And a little tiny patch. I mean, I've got a Wilkes-Barre jersey sitting over here with a giant blue cross blue shield patch on the shoulder. Giant. It's probably like five by five. Mm-hmm. It's right above the Penguin logo on the shoulder. I stare at it and I see it, but I'm looking at like the whole jersey and I'm not thinking, you know what? I need to switch my insurance to Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, the thought doesn't cross my mind because I'm not even focused on it. I see it, but I bet if they were out on the ice skating around, I wouldn't, I wouldn't notice a thing. That's so, just my two cents. So a couple things I just want to throw out here. I remember back in 19, I want to say it was like either was it 1989 or 1990. It was right around there. Uh, Grant Fuhrer, actually, being an innovator that he is, oh, yeah. uh, Grant Fuhrer wanted to put a Pepsi logo on his goalie pads. And the NHL yes, said no. So then he was threatening to retire. But then he relented, and he didn't obviously put the Pepsi logo on his goalie pads. But you see, Grant Fuhrer was like 30 years ahead of the times. Yeah. Can you imagine if they would if they didn't have like a thing for that, and you could just sign an endorsement deal and do whatever you wanted? Another little tidbit I want to throw out. So me growing up in Chicago as a Blackhawks fan, the boards at Chicago Stadium for the longest time did not have ads on them. There were no ads. I know this is different now. We're talking about Dasher board ads. But the Blackhawks did not have ads on their boards. you know why? Why they didn't have ads? Yeah. Um... Well, as somebody once to, I was going to say, as somebody once told me, they didn't like the ads on the boards because they couldn't follow the puck. They just kept reading the ads. I'll go with that. It was because they didn't televise their home games. So there was really no... Well, then, yeah, I mean, there's that. But you're not going to generate revenue if you're not on TV. The local businesses, you know, because... Nobody in Chicago would be watching the games, the home games on TV because they weren't televised. So there was no point for local businesses to want to advertise on the boards. There was really no point to it because they didn't televise home games. And then eventually uh, they did. I forgot what season it was, but by the end of the uh, their last season at the stadium was 93-94. And I know by then they were putting ads on the boards uh, for a couple of seasons then. But I just remember, like, even though the boards weren't, like, clean white because you'd see, like, puck marks, there was just something cool about going to the game and there was the ice and there were the boards and there weren't, like, there weren't ads on the ice. There weren't ads on the boards. You could just, you just watched hockey, you know? You just saw the lines on the ice and the circles. And I watched some of these international games and they, like, have, like, ads that take up like the entire face-off circle have you seen that oh yeah it's ridiculous it looks like a circus yeah that's kind of over the top a little bit so like, like i said i'm not about i'm not about covering the jersey with ads head to toe and i know there's the people saying the argument is well you start with one then you're gonna have two and then it's gonna be three and so on and so forth i don't think it's gonna get to that 
to be honest with you. And and if there's one, if there's two, so what? There's not a lot of places on the jersey left that you can really stick a whole lot of advertising. Should and I... there's already words and things on everything else. So, you know, there's words on a stick. There's the brand. There's stuff on gloves. There's stuff on the jersey. I mean, yeah, they're the manufacturer logos and stuff, but still, those are probably your biggest contributors to anything and sponsors to anything. So now let me ask you the next question. How does this make you feel? You buy a box of upper deck hockey cards and you pull a Sidney Crosby card with an autograph and a piece of a jersey patch. But then you realize, well, wait, that's not the Penguins logo that's cut up and put on this card. It's part of a PPG Paints logo that was on Crosby's shoulder during the season on his jersey that's cut up and put on that card. How, how do you like that? that? How, how would you, that make me feel? How would that make you feel? Is it just a jersey or does it have an autograph on it too? Well, let's just say it's just a jersey. Why not? It's just a jersey. Well, if it's Crosby, I don't honestly think I would care that much. Okay, it's not. If, if, if it was it's, somebody else that's not on Chris my Letang. team, I'd be fine with that too. Anybody that's on my team, I'd be fine with. Okay. Um, because that's who I collect. If it's somebody else, I don't know. It's probably not for me anyway. I guess the bigger question is, do I want to have a patch that the patch is a, the Gatorade logo? Probably not. But right. at the same time, if it's guaranteed that it was part of a jersey, unlike some other companies that are out there, <coughs> Panini, um, that doesn't guarantee anything about the patch or the player or anyone involved, you know, as long as it's something that's they, this was worn by the player during something. Okay, I'm fine with that. Look, it is what it is. It's it's an advertising thing. It's for revenue generation. You know, they weren't sitting in a boardroom and Gary Bettman was like, you know, twiddling his fingers like Mr. Burns, like, excellent. How can we piss off hockey fans this time? I don't think he does that. I really don't. Even though, even though that's the customary thing is to boo him. I don't think he's really that evil. Is he? Is he really that evil? I don't think. Meanwhile, he's orchestrating a plan to move the Vancouver Canucks to uh, Alabama. Yeah, when you say that, I'm like, meanwhile, in the Legion of Doom. Yeah. That's that's what I hear. (laughs) Meanwhile, in NHL headquarters. Yeah. So what team will will relocate next? uh, Phoenix Coyotes. Nope. Yeah. That. Because they've already been kicked out of their house. So. Well, no, because the Coyotes could have been relocated five times in the league. The league did not want the Coyotes to be relocated so bad that they bought the team and operated the team until they could find somebody to buy the team. I mean, think about it. Well, I haven't heard a peep out of anyone since they announced that they were being kicked out of their stadium. So I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I hear that, they, that they're going to probably move to a different stadium but still within Arizona. Good luck on that. It happens. We'll see how that works out. You know, one other thing, though, I'll say about the ads on the jerseys is that now if they had made the ad two by three, which I know is kind of small, they could have taken the entire ad and then mounted it on a trading card. And then that could have been, there could have been like a a hockey card set that would be like a game-used set that would just be the ads, like, 
from the jerseys. Hey, you don't know that there won't be. Well, but these are these are bigger than a card. So I'm just saying, I'm talking about like taking the entire patch and just mounting it on a trading card, putting a little border around it, and then, you know. They can do like they do with the those big giant game use patches where they piece them all, people collect them all and piece them all together and it makes like one giant logo. Well, this would only be two pieces, an upper half and a lower half, but. You'd have to be a pretty big fan of whatever it is they're advertising to want to do that, though. Like, I love Mother's Cookies so much that, do they even make those anymore? I don't know. That I'm going to get all the patch cards to make their logo or something. There was a a set that came out uh, in the early 2010s. I think it was called Motor Sydney Madness. It was the, um, in the game, uh, Detroit Red Wings set. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I remember I got a box of those cards. Mot- Motown Madness. Motown Madness. That's yeah. it, not Motor City Madness. Motown Madness. And uh, thank you. And um, I remember getting a card. It was a Red Wings patch card. And it had a piece of some insignia that was red, white, and blue. And I'm like, what the heck is this? When did the Red Wings ever have blue on their uniform? Ever, right? Well, I, I did a little research. And it turns out that, well, first of all, it was a replica patch. It wasn't from a jersey, but it was a replica of a patch that the Red Wings used to wear on their jerseys in the 1940s to advertise the sale of war bonds. Oh, yeah. Opeechee did kind of the same thing with their retro manufactured patches that they did for a few years in a row where they mm-hmm. just kept adding more and more to them. Right. They kind of did the same thing. Well. Uh, I didn't find it that interesting, really. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. It's kind of historic, but I'd rather it be a piece of, like, the winged wheel, even if it's a replica winged wheel, you know, than a replica of a war bond patch. Well, you hit other collectors that way. You may find people that collect, like, war memorabilia or something like that. Maybe. Historical time period type things. Yeah, but the thing, though, is that with people who collect war memorabilia, they tend to not want the replica item they tend to want they want the actual metal or uniform or patch or whatever and not a replica of it yeah true maybe just like you don't want a reprint of a Sidney crosby young gun you want a Sidney crosby young gun um yeah it's true I'm, I'm just saying so that's just kind of kind of like the same mindset. i had to think for a second because i was like would i take a replica just to be a placeholder in my set but no, I'd want the real thing. Yeah. Oh. Well, so anyways. Last thing ahead. I have to say about this. Sure. It's not like they're selling sponsorship to the Stanley Cup. Did I just jinx it by, by saying it and putting putting words to it? Because <laughs> I thought about that too. Like now that everything's sponsored, like the Winter Classic is the Bridgestone Winter Classic. And, you know, everything's got that kind of sponsorship on it. Are we one day going to see the... You know, the Lady Bing trophy is going to be the... The Domino's Pizza Lady Bing trophy. Yeah, or the... Um, Stanley or Cup brought to you by the, Menards. The, the Chevrolet Stanley Cup or, you know, something like that. It's not like they're doing that. Let's not get crazy. Right. Your ad on this trophy. I can yeah, just exactly. see it now. Don't start with the pitchforks and torches yet. Which reminds me, I just said your ad on this trophy when I see like a a bench at a bus stop and it says your ad on this bench. And I just say to myself, why can't a bench just be a bench? 
Why can't a bench just be a place to sit when you're Don't tired you understand and waiting for the bus? Nothing, nothing is just nothing anymore. Nothing can be just what it is. You know what? If I had... Look like, at that cloud. That cloud, you might think it's an elephant. I think it's a skyscraper. You stop yelling at that cloud. I, I, I was. I was trying to stop yelling at the cloud. I was trying to tell people, hey, ads aren't that bad. So, yeah, if if I had, like, infinite money... I would buy up all the bench ads. I'd change it to say, instead of it saying, your ad on this bench, call this number, I would just put your ass on this bench. And that'd be the end yeah. of it. Because that's the point of a bench. I would think it'd be funnier if you just made a sign and said, this is a bench. And it just said that on all of them. No numbers, no nothing. Like, nobody knew why it would said that. Just, this is a bench. This is a bench, right. So uh, let's talk some trading card stuff. Really quick, I just want to throw out a mention of a new product coming out at the end of the week. Solitaire 2.0 by President's Choice Trading Cards is coming out August 27th. And uh, really, that's the only new release that we haven't already talked about. And we'll talk about that a little more when it comes out. I know that's going to be sold in hobby boxes that contain three cards they are all one of ones that would fit Uh, the mo yep we're releasing 1000 serial numbered boxes each box will contain three one of one cards and it looks like it's a multi-sport set not just hockey looks like they got some football and some other sports anyway just wanted to mention that okay you want to talk about pwcc do i want to talk about them I wish I'd never had to talk about them, but I feel like we are obligated to. Yeah, I don't want to give them any airtime, right? Yeah, well, I feel like this whole thing with them, I feel like this is some kind of marketing ploy. That's what I feel like it is. Let's set it up for the listeners who maybe don't know exactly what happened. All right, do it. Okay, so PWCC, and I tried to look up what it stood for. I know it's like pre-war. I want to say it's like pre-war cards and collectibles because i want to say originally they were focusing on really early cards like pre-world war ii i don't know if that's what it stands for anymore or if it ever did or whatever they're pwcc so there's pwcc marketplace where they'll sell your stuff on ebay and there's pwcc vault where you can send your cards to them and they'll store them in their vault so that they're safe and then if you decide you want them to sell them for you hey, they already have them in their vault and then they could just sell them for you. Or if you want to sell them to somebody else, you could just say, hey, I just sold my, you know, my Wayne Gretzky BGS 9.5 to Tim. Can you please transfer it to his little corner of the vault or whatever, right? So that's kind of like they'll hold for you or they'll sell your stuff. So there's been rumors among us collectors for a couple of years now that PWCC and another auction company, Probstein, we'd always joke that these two companies, not related to each other, but we'd always joke that they got to be doing some sort of shill bidding or something like that. We would joke. And if you can't see my air quotes, joke. (laughs) Now, I'm going to come back to that thought in just a minute. But And shill bidding, for those who don't know, that's when you have somebody that you know bid on one of your auctions to drive up the price. So you ask your friends or your family to, hey, bid on this item to drive up the price. Well, PWCC has been accused of doing that. They could sell the same card that somebody else sells, and it'll sell for 30% more. 
And then they boast about that. They say, well, our auctions sell for 30% more. So you should sell that Mickey Mantle card with us because we get 30% more when we sell the card versus if you try to sell it by yourself or whatever. The key to the definition of the shill is that the person has no intention of paying at the end. Right. That's the key to the shill. And that's an important point because how many times do you see these cards go for a bajillion dollars and then all of a sudden, a week later, they're back up for auction again. Yes, you'd see the same card. Now these are graded, and graded cards have a, a serial number, like a registration number, because you could look them up on the Beckett Grading website or on the uh, PSA website. So you would see the same card up for auction a week later. If I just bought a card for a lot of money, I'm hanging on to it for a little while. Unless I know I'm going to turn around and sell it again right away. Like if I buy it on eBay and then I know I'm going to sell it to somebody who is going to just buy it off of me for whatever more, that's fine. But I'm not going to put it back on eBay because I had to pay eBay fees. And I'm probably not going to recoup what I paid and the fees for, or not the fees, the taxes rather. Yeah, so you'd see the same card being sold over and over again in a short amount of time. And in the meantime, they would be artificial. This would artificially inflate the value of this card because say it say it's a PSA 10 junk wax era Yarmir Yager Young Guns rookie card, or actually it wasn't a Young Gun. It was a uh, whatever first draft pit choice card, right? But they, you know, then you see that oh well, PS or uh, PWCC sold it for 168 dollars. So then all the other PSA 10s start going for more money because. You know, people follow that trend and they say, oh, well, if it's sold for that much, then I should set my buy it now at 150 because this one sold for 168, even though it didn't really sell at $168. So eBay is suspending PWCC marketplace. They're accusing them of shill bidding. Now, keep in mind that the PWCC marketplace sold $200 million dollars worth of cards on eBay last year. So eBay is suspending somebody who is making them a lot of money because what what was their fee a year ago? It was like 10%. Now it's like 12%, but it was like 10%. So that's $20 million that eBay made off of PWCC, mm-hmm. give or take. That's a lot of money. So I mean, <laughs> If somebody's making you a lot of money, maybe you turn a blind eye to unfair things that they might be doing, but uh, eBay didn't do that. So they're suspending them. But now PWCC is saying that they're considering legal action and that they are going to sell on their own platform. And I have a lot of thoughts about this, but one, I'm not going to miss them on eBay. Two, I'm not going to go look for any of their cards on their own platform and See, I'm glad they're not going to be on eBay because I felt like they were artificially driving up prices of cards. And now that they won't be on eBay, people aren't going to necessarily go look at their site to see what, you know, well, this card sold for, you know, $5 million on the PWCC website. It's like, well, sure it did. It's hard for me to have any opinion other than the bad opinion that I already have. (laughs) Let's hear it. People come for the opinions. I mean, look, let's call a spade a spade, right? Yep. How many of, let's say, legitimate auction houses have shill bidding that goes on, do you think? Do you think it's a prevalent thing? 
I in don't. regular brick and mortar type auction locations like a like a big company like a leland's auction or a member sure. lane I mean, or a, a yeah a, like i'm not tagging any, like a golden or anything like that i'm not tagging them as being like criminals or anything like that but i'm just saying do you think something like that goes on i will tell you that it does especially in the world of art and things like that because there have been known cases where where stuff like this has gone on so do i think that everybody that is doing auctions at these large levels is completely got their hands clean in all these no do i think pwcc was complacent in knowing that these things were going on i think there are certain members that knew about it i think there are certain members of their company that facilitated it and i think it was a widely known practice amongst the group not passed up the chain so that they could claim plausible deniability mm-hmm. if you follow what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't take a rocket scientist to come to the conclusion that it's not the people at the top that are making the making the orders right it's it's the underlings and then you can basically be like i had no idea they were doing this well wait a minute though but what what stake would an underling have in this uh they could have a lot they could get kickbacks. They could get commissions. They could get, you know, something. I mean, who knows? We don't know that. It's hard to say. And the other thing, too, is what's going on here? I'm not defending PWCC at all, but they've been on eBay for over 20 years, right? How long has this been going on? Has it been going on since the beginning? Maybe. I think it got perfected over time. Mm-hmm. Perfected to the point where it became, like we were saying, the running joke of the hobby. I mean, it's one thing when you get a couple people and a couple naysayers and the angry mob on Twitter come out and, and speak out against it. It's another right. thing where it becomes like a legendary thing where everyone knows about it, yet no one does a thing about it. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't a problem and if they didn't see that there was something going on, why would eBay even bring it up in the first place? Why would they go after one of their biggest sellers in the hobby sector if it was unfounded and if they didn't see a reason to why do it for publicity what good does that do does ebay need any more publicity no especially in within the hobby realm so what could it be if it wasn't actually going on see and the other thing too is that ebay didn't email me about this because i've never won a pwcc auction from what I understand, they only emailed people who either had current auctions with them or maybe people who had bought from them in the past who had some sort of business dealing with them. Like, I'll tell you, like, unrelated, but... I don't understand that email, though. That's the other thing that's fishy to me on this in this whole thing, though. Not to cut you off. That's okay. Yeah, you didn't get the email. Lots of people didn't get the email. But those that did, do you always get those emails? Like anytime they find somebody that's a criminal or whatever doing well, stuff, do you I get was going to I don't say, think so. I don't think you do. I was going to say before you cut me off. So your timing was usually cutting me off is a good thing because I can just okay. go on forever. But I actually Sorry. had a relevant point here. I, I bought something off of uh, Amazon. Well, I bought lots of things off of Amazon. I bought some software off of Amazon a couple years ago. And it was a digital download of software. 
and I paid the money. And they said, when you pay the money, then you get the download link and you get the, the serial number, right? Sure. So I did that. I paid. I got the download link. I got the serial number. All fine and good. Well, about six months later, Amazon emailed me and they said, hey, you bought this software. That person was actually selling pirated software and they've been suspended. I wasn't in any trouble. Because, I mean, I paid money. I paid money for something. I didn't know that it was pirated. It was on Amazon. He was an Amazon seller, third-party seller. Literally, anybody can be an Amazon third-party seller. Amazon gets their cut. And if there's not a problem, there's not a problem. This was a problem. They emailed me about it. And it took me a while to figure out what this was about. Because I'm like, what? Am I in trouble? Wait, what is this? Wait, oh, wait, that? I bought that like seven months ago. Oh, Oh, okay. Wow, that's weird. And that was the thing. So yeah, I mean, they they emailed me and they said, you dealt with this person. They are now suspended and they are no longer selling on Amazon.com. So I don't find it hard to believe that if somebody that I bought off of on eBay, especially recently, got suspended, they would tell me, hey, that guy that you added to your favorite sellers, well, he's not going to be there anymore. But would it be a full-scale email? Or would it just be a notification that this account is no longer active or something like that? I, that I don't know. Like, why would they give? Why would they give a reason? Like, I get I get notifications that bids have been canceled. I've been getting a lot of those lately, but I never once since I've been on eBay and that was two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that. I never recall a single email that said something like this mass thing that's gone i mean that was a significant email there was a lot of info in there i mean there was a lot of info missing but there was also a lot of information in that email more than just hey you've got bids pending on such and such their account's been suspended sorry i mean it was like a full scale this is thing they violated policy this and that i mean people violate ebay policy all the time i don't get emails about it i don't think anybody does I'm not saying that that absolves them of anything. I just think that's leads to the bigger picture of just being so weird the way it is. So if this email wasn't real, who sent it? Look, PWCC has talked ad nauseum at various events and things about opening up their own marketplace. And mm-hmm. they've had this in the works for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, the PWCC marketplace that they talk about all the time is really not their marketplace. It's eBay. Right. It's them selling on eBay. Right. They've been talking about opening up their own marketplace where it's self-contained and they run it and they monitor it and they can basically control and do whatever the heck they want because it's theirs. This gave them the perfect opportunity. And am I wrong? The day after this announcement, the thing launched, or at least it did that weekend or something like that. I mean, it was like, the timing was like that. Right, but here's the thing. If I wanted to move my $200 million business off of eBay, that's not how I would poise it. I wouldn't say, hey, we got kicked off of eBay for apparently doing something bad, so we're just going to sell on our own platform. I would be like, you know what? We sold on eBay for 20 years. Thank you all for being our customers this is our next step in our evolution as we continue to grow as one of the leaders in the trading card industry. We are opening our own marketplace. We'd like to invite you to all come over to our marketplace 
and bid on items there now. And we're giving you 10% off your first purchase just to encourage you to come over to our new marketplace and make your first purchase with our new big thing, right? That's how but, I would do it. I wouldn't be like- But it would be a gradual thing though, right? You don't want to have bad publicity. I don't know. You don't want to have bad publicity about yourself, about what your happened, business. What happened to the whole any publicity is good publicity? I don't think this is good publicity, though. I think shill bidding, it, especially if everybody's making fun of the company because we think they're shill bidder or that they have shill bidders, I don't think that helps them. Here's the bigger picture, I think. We all thought they were shill bidding before. We all think that they're still shill bidding. We all think that now that they have their own platform, they're probably going to do it endlessly. And that's going to be their MO. But yet, somehow, there's all of the apologists that are like, nope, they're a great company. We're going with them. And we're going to be with them. And we're going to stick with them. I mean, it is what it is. That publicity, I, I pub publicity, I can't even talk. I, I don't think helps or hurts them, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't think it does a dang thing. Mm -hmm. Because all of us that thought they were shillers before still think they're shillers, whether it was proven or denied or there's a lawsuit pending or and, and that's the other thing, too, is if the lawsuit is pending, it's not going to be a lawsuit as to whether they shilled or not. It's going to be a lawsuit as you called me names. Were those names true? And that's really what it boils down to. Um, it's not like a criminal case or anything like that. But. You know where I'm going with this is look, you got other companies out, you got grading companies out there that have done shady things over the years. You know, PSA's very first card was trimmed that they graded and they didn't note it that it was trimmed. People trim cards all the time, they get graded, they never saw it. There was a whole thing a few years ago and probably still goes on with just constant cards being trimmed mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. graded for a better grade. They crack the cases and do whatever to them and all of that. Mm -hmm. And yet, somehow, they're the biggest grading card company in the entire world, even though there's other ones out there. And everybody swears by them. And they somehow get the bigger dollars for their grades. And it's like, there was tons of negative publicity about them. There, I said it right that time. And what did it do for them? Nothing. It made their business bigger because more people that have come into the hobby were like, I want to grade this. What should I do? Oh, well, all the minions out there that love PSA to death are going to say, go to PSA, 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 PSA. And then they just explode and, you know, they're huge. It didn't hurt them one bit. There was all sorts of negative publicity. Same with this. Everybody already knew. Now it's just somebody important, you know, somebody with bigger pockets than the rest of us peon hobby people that said, Oh, guess what? They're using our platform and we think they're doing shady stuff too. We agree with all the hobby people of the last 20 years and we think they're doing shady stuff too. So we're shutting them down. Okay. And then just the next day they're like, oh, you shut us down. Okay. We're going to start our own thing. Uh -huh. I mean, it's like, okay. If they thought the publicity was hurting them that bad, would this be the best time to open up your new marketplace to try to go after you know, making money on your own and not having to pay the commissions to an outside third party thinking that oh, we're going to lose so much, so much of our customer base. I don't think they would do that. That would be horrible timing. I just think it, it all worked out perfectly. I feel like this whole thing is just 
I don't know. I feel like it's a scam, man. I feel like it's a scam somehow. Somehow, some way, the whole freaking thing is a scam. I can't prove it. I don't have any I don't have any proof, but that's just my own personal opinion. I have no data to back this up, so you can call me you can call me a liar or call me an idiot and I will probably agree with you. But I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed like it was too perfect. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. way it, the way it all worked out, it just seems like it was all too perfect. And that's the other thing too. I don't think you're going to find if they do come down to it and say, "Oh, we figured it out. It was Bill Smith. Bill Smith paid these many people to shill bid and blah blah blah." If it came down to that and they found a person to put the blame on, there's no way anybody in this hobby would ever believe that. No way. So, I mean, what are they going to do? It's just like the thing I saw in I don't know, one of them modern marvels or miracles or one of them shows on like History Channel or mm-hmm. National or something. They were talking about this dam that was built in like Iceland to like block up the rivers and the fishermen in the area and the farmers in the area got ticked off. So they all went out together and blew up the dam. <laughs> and when the authorities came, basically everyone took the blame. And so there were so many people involved that. They couldn't do anything mm-hmm. because there were too many people. Mm-hmm. I think this would be it. There's probably way too many people involved. And none of them are there. Any of the people at the top are important. And you are always hunting for that big guy. You know, you go after the drug cartel leader. You don't go after the pusher that's on the street corner. Not that I'm comparing shell bidding to drugs, which I guess maybe I am because I just did. But you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, so what if eBay suspended them? What if eBay knew that they were shill bidding and didn't care? But then PWCC said, all right, we're going to leave you in a month because we're we're starting our own thing. You're probably wondering why we haven't done any listings in two weeks. Well, there's a reason for that, right? Because I think once you get to like a certain size, you know, you probably have, you probably deal with somebody a little more personally than us when we just list an item or 10 items or whatever. When you're listing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of items or thousands and thousands of items a month or these big ticket items, maybe eBay suspended them because they were going to leave. And so they said, well, you can't break up with me because I'm dumping you. And, and thus gonna, lies the conspiracy that I'm Now I'm going to put this on social media about what a horrible person you are because you were going to dump me, not, but not if I dump you first. And then I'm going to yep. tell everybody how bad you were. It's the bad breakup that they knew was going to happen that they never spoke about before. Mm-hmm. And now it's come to light, and that's why I think this is this is just shady and shifty. I feel like everybody everybody's good because here's the thing: sure, does it violate policy and all of that kind of stuff? I guess so. I mean, I haven't read the user license agreement. I don't know how many people have on eBay, but I'm sure it's in there, and I'm sure it does violate the policy. And I'm sure if it's on this kind of scale, it extremely violates the policy. But the thing is, if everyone's already known about it, why didn't you investigate it before? And they if had you no got, incentive to. Exactly. And if you've been told time and time again for years and years and years, are you trying to tell me that this investigation took you years and years and years to finally figure it out how to suspend an account? I call bs on that because i know plenty of people that have done way less and gotten their accounts suspended on ebay so no 
That's why I said I'm not buying it. I think this whole thing was a. I think the whole thing was a shill. <laughs> well, so, I think on that note, we need to move on to our last big topic because I can't really go anywhere from there. And that's about talking about what's oh, going the on. The other big shill. Tops. Yeah, how do you, how do you even put the how do you even put this whole thing into words? I I don't even know. Well, I'm going to. This whole so, thing flabbergasted me. The online retailer giant Fanatics, which has licensed everything, Major League Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, college sports, right? So, and you see their commercials all the time uh, when you're whatever you're watching, whether it's a baseball game or hockey game or football game or whatever. I mean, I remember the hockey commercials would always have Doc Emmerich doing the doing a voiceover for it. Fanatics is getting the Major League Baseball trading card license. They've worked out a deal with Major League Baseball. They've worked out the deal with Major League Baseball Players Association. Now, even though we're not a baseball show, whatever affects baseball cards is going to affect all sports trading cards and eventually hockey, because I'm still saying that hockey is holding steadfast as the fourth sport. You might say the fourth sport is NASCAR. You might say it's soccer. I'm just going to say hockey is the fourth sport because I don't want to say it's the sixth sport or the fifth sport. But anyway, so Topps has a Major League Baseball uh, license through 2025. So they have it up until 2025, and they only have the Players Association license through the end of 2022, which means Topps can make fully licensed baseball cards for one more year. Then after that, they get three years where they could just make cards that are licensed by the teams, but not by the current players, which means they might make cards of like, retired players like a hall of fame set or something i'm just saying like if you have a league license but not the player license then you see companies who have a league license but not a player license they'll make like throwback sets or retro sets or all-time great sets or stuff like that and uh, the other thing is that tops was actually going to merge with a company called mudrick capital which was going to make tops a publicly company. I was actually looking into thinking about buying shares of Mudrick Capital because once the merger was complete, Mudrick was going to become Tops. And I was thinking, oh, it'd be really cool to own some shares in Tops. And Tops hasn't been public, I think, since 2007. So this was exciting. And also Tops talked about getting into the um, NFT market with the digital, the non-fungible token cards. So they seemed like they were going to continue to innovate this trading card, this new realm of digital trading cards. This blindsided tops. This blindsided everybody. Fanatics gets the baseball card license. According to what I read, Tops was paying Major League Baseball Players Association about $20 million per season. I think it was 20.4. Fanatics deal is worth approximately $200 million Per year to the major league players, uh, major league baseball players association. So basically, this deal is worth ten times to them what they were getting from Tops. And then, not to not to outdo itself, Fanatics also then went on to win uh, the NBA license. They're going to have a, a deal with the NBA and the Na- National Basketball Players Association starting in 2026. I've heard that Fanatics is going after the NFL license, and I haven't heard a damn thing about hockey. Yeah, you haven't, because I think their I think their priority is on football first. 
And well, that's the order I go. I go. I go after baseball. Yeah. Then I go after basketball. Uh-huh. Then I'd go after football. Then I'd go after hockey. Look, Fanatics is already a sponsor of the NHL. Um, Fanatics is huge, and you want to know something? And, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say. I mean, every every show that you watch on the NHL Network, commercial breaks. There's at least one Fanatics commercial. Yep. Every game that you watch, there's at mm-hmm. least one Fanatics commercial. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're already they're already on everything, so you know they're a giant sponsor to the NHL. I think they may already know in the back of their mind that that one's already in the bag, so they don't need to really worry about it. Right. But, I mean, I could be just speculating, so I don't know. So here's the thing. So a lot of people on Twitter have said, oh, well, Fanatics has never made trading cards before. So what? It's true. They haven't. When ProSet came out in 89 and made football cards, they never made football cards before. They did a damn good job of it. When Upper Deck made baseball cards in 1989, they never made baseball cards before, and they did a hell of a job of it. So I'm excited for a couple of things here. One, I'm excited because this is a new trading card company. I'm hoping that it's going to bring new people into the industry. Not that I'm auditioning for a job here because I'm not. Although, if you do need someone, I am available to make trading cards. But that's besides the point. What I'm getting at is that we've talked to enough people in the industry that we know that these people just they just change jobs. They go from Beckett to Tops to Panini to Leaf to Upper Deck from upper deck to tops to leaf to panini to Beckett, right? They just move around, right? It's the same people over and over just changing jobs, right? It happens a lot, yes. It happens way too much in trading cards. That's why we don't really get anything that's new and exciting because you just get a lot of the same people just changing jobs. And then a lot of these companies, they're playing it conservative because when you have to pay the league a lot of money, you're not going to do anything to piss off uh, the uh, Major League Baseball and say, well, hey, we think we're going to make cards like this this time, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that, right? You want to keep them happy because they make you the money, right? So I feel that there's less incentive for them to innovate. Now, with Fanatics saying, you know what? We got tons of money. We're going to pay you tons of money. No, you know what? We're going to be a partner in this together. Like, they're partnering with Major League Baseball, and I understand that the NBA is going to be a partner in this too. So all the companies can make more money. And that's the other thing too. We talk about how back in the day, back in the 90s, we used to be able to buy cards anywhere. Now it's like we either have to go to a big box store like Target to buy like a blaster box. Well, maybe not Target. Uh, Walmart. No, you can or, go to Target now. Well, I've seen hockey cards at Target. Yeah, they've, uh, they've, they've backed off their original stance and uh, in a lot of places. But what what I'm saying is um, maybe this is fanatic saying, you know what, we want baseball cards and football cards and basketball cards and hockey cards to be sold at drugstores again, like they were in the 90s. And we want them to be at grocery stores like they were in the 90s. And we want them to be in the candy shops and everywhere and not just the baseball card stores, not just the sport card stores like it is now. You either go to your local card store or you go to a big box store and you get a blaster box, right? Those are really your only options. Fanatics is so big, they can make cards everywhere. 
they can make it rain cards like it was like it was doing in the 90s and i liked that and yes i know that so much stuff was produced in the 90s but you know what the leagues made lots of money and that's what they want to do they want to make money it harkens back to the advertising conversation yes so you're against a three by three ad, but you're all for saturating the market with trading cards. No, I didn't say that necessarily. Uh, I you want kinda, them to you kind of did. I want them to be more accessible. I want that. Listen, I bought my first sports cards when I was ten. I was at Walgreens. I was with my dad. He'd take me and my sister out on Sunday, and then on the way home, he would stop at Walgreens and we'd, he'd buy us some candy. Always did this every Sunday. I'm in the candy aisle. And he's like, whoa, what candy do you want? You know, and I grabbed three packs of 1985 Topps baseball cards. And I said, I want these baseball cards, Dad. And he said, oh, well, those aren't really candy. And I'm like, well, they have gum in them. And he's like, okay, whatever. And he bought me the baseball cards. And that's how my sports card collecting started, was with 85 Topps baseball cards. Why? Because they were in the candy aisle of a drugstore, right? I didn't have to go to a card store to buy them. I didn't even know what a card store was when I was 10, right? That wasn't even a thing. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. When's the last drugstore you've been to that wasn't called CVS or Walgreens? Osco Drug. And when was that? Uh, a couple days ago. Okay, well, that's also part of Jewel, which is another major company, also owned by Albertsons. Yes, yes, but... A, a megalith of a grocer. Right, but back so, in the 80s, it was the same thing. I'd either go to Walgreens, White Hen, White Hen Pantry for, to get a slush puppy and some panini hockey stickers or some baseball cards. Where where I grew up, there were mom-and-pop chain drugstores and pharmacies and things like that where, that sold cards. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a major label. And when all the major groups came in, the yep. Walgreens, the Rite Aids, who were then put out of business by the Walgreens and the CVSs. There aren't many, there might be some regional ones here and there, but there aren't many of those even left. Right. So, and Walgreens carries cards. People post about it on social media all the time, going and wiping out the shelves of a Walgreens. So, I mean, you see that. Look, again, to, to the point of the ad re of the revenue that's going to be generated by this, I mean, it's a huge thing. I mean, they, they announced that, first of all, and I don't know if you mentioned it, I, I don't remember you saying this, but you, you saw what the deal was with with um, MLB, right? I don't think there was a number on it, but they reported that it was 10 times larger than the deal that Topps had. Right, and that's where Ten I got times. the $200 million versus the $20 million because $20 million is what the Players Association said they made last year with their deal. And then if this deal's worth 10 times, that's where I got the 200 million number. Okay, 10 times. I mean, that's $2 billion over the next 25 years, right? Yeah, but the thing is, is that if you're selling a lot of baseball jerseys and baseball hats and football jackets and stuff like that, you can afford that. I mean, basically, Fanatics makes sports stuff that appeals to almost all sports fans, clothing, the apparel. That's where the big money is. It's not in the trading cards. It can be in the trading cards. You could buy a box of cards and sell it for 10 times more than you can easier than buying a baseball hat and selling it for 10 times what you paid for it, right? Because it's a, it's a different animal. But what I'm saying is that if somebody said, do you want to sell baseball jerseys or baseball cards? 
and be successful at it, I'd probably pick baseball jerseys just because they'll sell for more money and more they appeal to more people, right? The point I'm making is that Fanatics made their millions and billions, their billions. I think they're an $18 billion company. $18 billion. Right, billion with a B. With and, a B. And that's, and that's the thing that's not deterring people from saying no to this. Because who would say no? Wait a minute. You're telling me that we give you this license that we previously gave to company A. You're going to pay 10 times what that license was worth. And you're going to give us pretty much the money up front to take over a license that doesn't expire for a few years. Right. And you're going to give us equity in the product. So they have, say no to that. They have a lot of money that they could throw around up front, but they, they must have some bigger vision to make this bigger. Because if you look at the sports trading card industry right now, tops can't pay 200 million for a license on the current model of the way the trading card industry is, right? You There's can only not... pay that kind of money if you're going to expand that market, which is what I think Fanatics is going to do. There hasn't been that much time that's passed since we were sitting having the same conversation about tops being financially sunk and potentially disappearing off the face of the planet. So, I mean, it, of course tops can't pay that kind of money. And now that the deal's done with, you know, the, not done, but it's over with, with them merging right. and becoming a public company. That's not going to happen now. All I'm hearing now is the rumors that Fanatics is going to buy tops. Why so they have a they? manufacturing capability. And it makes perfect sense. Baseball cards are hot right now. They Why not buy not, Panini too? Why not buy them all? Actually, that was the other thing I was thinking is maybe they would just buy Upper Deck outright to become their trading card division. You saw who they put in charge of the, uh, I don't even know if they have a name for it yet, trading card division. Right, the StockX guy, the shoe yeah. guy. Yeah, which okay. I, found, I find interesting. <laughs> well, okay, I find that interesting, and I'm not a sneakerhead, but this is bringing some outside innovation, some outside people into the industry. I mean, I'd rather they hire this sneaker guy, and I don't know his name, and I apologize, Mr. Sneaker Josh, Guy. Not that, it's Josh Luber. Okay. Not that Josh Luber is listening to our show. Might, um, he might be. He might be. But um, The next Puck Junk Podcast, sponsored by Fanatics. Yes. <laughs> Licensed everything. Exactly. What I was going to say, though, is that I'm more excited about him being the head of this new trading card division for Fanatics than them saying they got the former so-and-so from Tops or the former so-and-so from Upper Deck or the former so-and-so from Panini. Because then you just get the same stuff, usually. Look, we all know product gets stale. We know, we know that. And we've seen the exclusive licenses cause product to get even more stale. Yes. Is this going to generate innovation? I don't know. I think it has Fanatics to. has never done anything before, and we don't know what they're capable of, or even if they are capable of doing something without help. So if you turn and say, where am I going to get my help? I need to bring in some heavy hitters that know the business and know the industry. Well, I got this company that's been around for 100 years that essentially we just swipe the rug out from under them. Right. Maybe we can buy them and bring them in. 
do you do Absolutely. a full clean, full wipe at the top and just no. say, okay, we're going to keep certain people in place and replace them with our own innovative people? Or do we just bring them in and have them run the company? And if that's the case, how do you know you're not going to just get status quo? Here's the thing. If I'm paying 10 times as much as what my competitor was paying, I need to sell 10 times as much. You, of course you need to sell 10 times as much, but you, you so, said it yourself. This almost seems like considering they're an $18 billion company. I, I mean, this, this almost seems like one of those situations like. They can lose money and still uh, win. Yeah. Like they can lose money and still win. Cause I, gonna... I only, I only hear in my mind, you know, Bob nutting with owning the, owning the Pittsburgh pirates. That's like his personal plaything because all of their money was made in media with newspapers mm -hmm. and everything else. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, I'll buy this Major League Baseball team and just use it as my play toy. Mm -hmm. Even though it's a million-dollar, you know, multi-million-dollar organization, ah, it's just whatever. You know, I'm going to – we're going to get into the trading card market. We're just going to pay whatever, and it is what it is. But we know that of the $18 billion, you know, this is $2 billion. You know, we got another $16 billion invested in something else. I mean, That's, that's I was... what I feel like it might be. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If they just wanted to dabble in sports cards, they might try to start getting, try to get, well, they did get a license. But I guess the thing is, is like, if a company is going to try to get into something, they usually start a little bit smaller, right? Upper Deck started with one sport, baseball. Pro Set started with football. So, like, companies will usually start with, like, one or two sports. Fanatic's just saying, hey, we're going for everything. We're going for everything. We're just going to do it all. So I feel like there's got to be some bigger plan here, not just like, oh, yeah, we're going to get into trading cards and we're just going to buy up all these licenses because we could just outbid everybody. I feel like they're, they're thinking, how can we make trading cards more accessible to people? Why accessible? Because you want them to buy it. This is also what kind of made me laugh, too, is we keep talking about the newness to the hobby of all the new people being brought in and their excessive nature of how they're hobbying you know all of mm -hmm. us that are policing the hobby you know tell them this is not how you collect this is how you collect well no this is how they collect it's called scorched earth and they come in and they wipe out the retail shelves and they create bots to wipe out the online shelves and they you know go to card shows and they carry around their vault boxes full of graded cards that are worth more than every piece of real estate property i've ever owned in my entire life and you know they're doing these deals of thousands and thousands of dollars and they're flipping and they're doing it, it's like this just if i'm doing it i'm doing it all like, right like it's tony montana and it's a giant pile of drugs on the table and i'm snorting all of it and that's it that's what we're doing man that's the second drug reference today this hugs not drugs hugs yeah. not drugs. um but I mean, you know what I'm saying? And it's like this, it's, we're going all in. It's like all or nothing. You know, we're, we're thinking, well, it's cautious. You know, this is my personal collection. I'm going to collect, you know, I'm going to collect power forwards of the 1970s. And that's going to be my collection. Oh, I got a card here. I got a card here. No, I'm going to collect every superstar that's existed since 1986. And getting all their rookies graded to 10. That's what this is. 
I'm not spending 20 bucks here and 20 bucks there. I'm spending all of it right now. Sometimes you want a base hit and sometimes you want a home run. Sometimes you swing for the fences, as they say, right? The best power hitters also are usually the highest in the strikeout count. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's one or the other. I get it. I just hope for the sake of the hobby, this isn't a giant strikeout. I don't think it's going to strike out. It might. The hobby might go to a strange place for a couple of years. Well, and again, we're also talking down the road, so... You know, 2025 is the baseball license, 2026 Unless is Unless they just buy Tops and Panini outright, and then they just can, they can just start making the cards tomorrow, I guess. Uh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. yeah. That's possible, too. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know what? I'm buying your house when, you're, when your uh, lease is up. But, hey, you know what? How about if I just buy your lease? If I'm spending a lot of money to get the MLB license and the Players Association license, why don't I just buy tops and I can start making baseball cards in 2022? Yeah, that's what I said. It seems to be the only thing that makes sense. Right. You At know, least buy to wait- tops, possibly buy Panini. I don't know about Upper Deck because that's still ways away. We still don't know when that deal's going to be up because they don't ever give details about it. But it could be in a couple years. You never know. So, I mean, what what is everybody left with? What's Tops left with now? You lose MLB, you have a bunch of entertainment licenses. Well, they got you Star have, Wars, which is huge, and then they got the Star soccer, Wars. which is huge. Panini's got soccer also. I don't know. What else do you do? That's the thing, though, is that Tops is dependent on these third-party things. They don't have their own intellectual property other than Wacky Packs and Garbage Pail Kids. And their candy division. Well, yeah, of course. But what I'm saying is that, like, they don't have, like, they don't own Star Wars. They just make trading cards for Star Wars. Sure. So they've got some type of licensing agreement in place that they're able to continue doing that. But let me ask you this. If Disney wanted to make trading cards tomorrow, do you think they'd have a hard time doing that? If they just said, eh, you know what? We want to make our own Star Wars cards. Do you think they could figure out how to do that? To be honest, I'm surprised they haven't already. Right, exactly. I used to work for a toy company this was many, many years ago, and a lot of times we'd have the license to make a certain toy, and then the rights holder would say, ah, you know what, we're just going to make our own, we're going to create our own toy division, so we don't need you guys anymore. Or sometimes, like, companies come to us and be like, hey, you want to make toys of our property? And we'd be like, yeah, that'd be great. And they'd be like, ah, oh, you know what, actually, we're, we're just going to do it in-house. You know, like... People like this thing enough that if we make it, they'll buy it from us. I mean, I guess maybe 40 years ago, it used to mean more if you had those inroads, those lines of distribution where you say, well, we're not a trading card company. I wouldn't even know how to sell those, you know, and now it's just become so, I don't want to say interweaved because I'm not a business guy. So I'm not, I'm not quite talking from a position of knowledge here. But I would say now it would probably be easier to get your product on shelves now maybe than it was 40 years ago. Because 40 years ago, it seemed like things were maybe a little more rigid, right? I mean, Disney, if Disney wanted to make Star Wars cards, they could literally just make Star Wars cards and set up a website to buy Star Wars cards. And you know where the people would go to buy their Star Wars cards? That website, because they want to buy them, right? That's what they would do. That's just how it is now. It's not like oh, I'm going to go to my local Rite Aid and hope to have Star Wars Series 7 trading cards in stock, right? Oh, wait, they're out of business. Sorry. Right. Exactly, right? You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is that, like, 
the the whole landscape has changed now. So these these old ways of doing things doesn't matter. So I mean, the only thing a company like Tops really has going for it, I mean, I'm sure they got wonderful people that work there. I'm sure they have a lot of great ideas and I'm sure they've innovated a lot of things over the years, but really it just has to do with nostalgia. People see the Tops logo and they say that's a baseball card, right? Because well, they've been doing how... baseball forever. Sure. And let's say we do get to the point where something does get flubbed up a little bit. I mean, there's all sorts of vintage that you can go after if you want to relive your nostalgia. I mean, Tops existed for that long. There's plenty out there that you can collect if you're that married to that logo. Well, a lot of people, when they don't like the new stuff, they buy the old stuff, and I agree. I mean, I tend to focus more on vintage or neo-vintage, and then I only really focus on, like, one or two modern sets. Like, Upper Deck and Opeachy, I really like my go-to sets because those are the sets that I like. You know, and then I'll just say, oh, do I want to spend, you know, $300 on a box of these cards, or do I want to spend it on vintage? I'll spend it on vintage, right? But everybody buys what they like, and that's what makes a hobby great, is you can always find something within your budget like even when i was like going to grad school and i was super broke i'd go to that uh, card show in rosemont with like a hundred bucks and i'd find lots of stuff to buy for a hundred bucks i mean i was very careful with what i spent i didn't blow it all at one table but i would be able to you know i'd I'd come home with a hundred dollars worth of cards but it was a lot of cards you know and it was a lot of stuff that i wanted so you can always find something to buy I think this Fanatics deal is going to be great. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm I'm hoping that they innovate, and I'm hoping that, yeah, maybe they don't flood the market, but maybe they saturate the market a little bit better. You are definitely way more optimistic than I am, but we'll see. Well, their goal is to make money as a company, so they have to make money somehow. I don't think they'll get a good return on investment if they said, you know what, we're just going to do things the way they're being done right now. Yeah, well... We'll see. It's going to be an, an interesting and weird next couple years in trading cards. So the last thing I just want to throw out is, before we wrap this one up, is if Tops ultimately loses the baseball license, but they still end up being their own company and not acquired by Fanatics, do you think they'd go after the hockey license? I think I think Upper Deck's deal expires after this upcoming season. Oh, you think I, so? I can't really disclose where I've heard this, but I, I heard that their deal is up after 21-22. Oh, which insider we, we, information, huh? We've already talked about their products coming out for 21-22. And so we know that 22-23 is still a ways off. And I know even though they plan things a year in advance, I mean, usually when an announcement is made, it's probably going to be made by the end of the year. What I'm saying is, I mean, this could happen. I mean, it could happen is in a little over not this upcoming season, but by the next season, there could be another player or a couple players in hockey cards as Panini and Tops look to find other markets. They're never going to make back what they made with the baseball license or the basketball license. But still, if you're a trading card company, you make trading cards. That's as simple as it gets. If that's what you do, that's what you do. Or, you know, another another scenario is that Fanatics buys Upper Deck to become its trading card division. Uh, and then in that process, they also acquire the license of the NHL and the NHLPA. Wouldn't that be a, a thing? They now have the baseball license. 
They nabbed the basketball license. They nabbed the football license. And then they announced that they purchased Upper Deck. <laughs> they don't buy Tops. They don't buy Panini. But they buy Upper Deck. And Upper Deck becomes the card manufacturing arm of Fanatics. And we now have all of the Upper Deck products for all the sports again. I'd like that. I, I like A lot of collectors, I think, would like that. Yeah, I mean... I know now now the difference is negligible. You take a 2021 Topps baseball card, you take a 2021 MVP hockey card, you close your eyes, you feel them. They feel the same. They're, you know, the card stock is same. The print quality is the same. I mean, Upper Deck does their little hologram and nobody else does that. And I really like that a lot. Authenticity and stuff. But the other companies had to catch up to what Upper Deck was doing. So maybe the differences now between them are not what they were 20 years ago or 30 years ago or, or maybe even 10 years ago. That's something I'd like to see. Well, that's definitely a, a an interesting proposed scenario, I think, <laughs> to think about it that way. I'm just, you know, just, just spitballing here, right? Just throwing out what, what ifs, right? right? We're hockey card collectors. We got to think, okay, so how is this going to affect our hobby? Because and if it does happen, you heard it here first. Right. We're great at predicting the future of the hobby. And you never know. Days of hobby future. Now we're getting too close to X-Men movie titles. Oh, yeah. So anyway, uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap this one up? Because I said I didn't want to go long in this podcast. And here we are. We're just as long as our last one. Whether we don't talk for two weeks or two days, we still end up going for like two hours. <laughs> doesn't matter after we were done and we post this something else will happen yeah we need to talk about so it's a never-ending cycle well all right then thank you for listening to the puck junk hockey podcast be sure to follow me at puck junk be sure to follow tim at the real dfg and until next time collect what you like for more hockey goodness follow us on twitter at puck junk 